You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And welcome back, folks. Another edition, the second edition ever of the Michigan Recruiting Insider. And the first episode was the response was outstanding. Uh, We had been saying this was long overdue, that we needed to get together uh, as a staff and give the people what they they want. Uh, And fellas, uh, it definitely seems like this is what they wanted. Joined by my colleagues over at the Michigan Insider, Steve Lorenz and Bryce Marich. Guys, how you doing? Good, Sam. Enjoying the holiday weekend. Hope you guys are too. Man, I can't believe the the outreach and all the positivity we've gotten from just episode one so i can't wait for more absolutely and folks we can continue to to grow and make it better get bigger and better just go on over to wherever you get this podcast certainly going over to itunes subscribe review rate and we can keep this thing going and growing in the meantime though fellas big news on the commitment front for the university of michigan a commitment that Oh, we saw coming down the pike for a while now, uh, one of the top linebackers in the country, I believe, 24-7 sports, the composite ranking, has him the number eight outside linebacker in the country. He stands just under 6'3 and about 228 pounds. Junior Colson committed to Michigan over Tennessee and a whole host of SEC programs. You get into, uh, you, you go across the country and, he had turned into one of the one of the best defensive prospects in the land, and here he is committed to the University of Michigan. Steve, a big time land for him. So what I like about Colson, yeah, I'm sure you guys feel the same way. I think what's what's encouraging here, highly rated, but not a finished product. You know, sometimes these guys at the very tip top are guys that maybe already have a little more polish in their game, more refined. You kind of know what they're probably going to be at the college level. Uh, you know, I know our, our director of scouting, Barton Simmons, has, has said it too. But, you know, a guy who I think has a lot of growth ahead of him. And actually, I was just checking it out uh, before we got on air. Two spots higher in the composite than Cam McGrone was. I know we had Cam McGrone at 24-7, had him as the number one linebacker, uh, outside linebacker in, in the 18 class. Uh, but again, so a couple, couple spots higher in the composite than McGrone was. And really similar, because I think McGrone as well in high school, had the athletic ability. It was evident. It took two or three plays on his tape to see it. And you see the same thing with Colson. You know, so if you're a Michigan fan, the linebacker room is already pretty stacked. Uh, you've seen the guys they've reeled in the last few cycles. And uh, Colson, really, one of those guys, one of the two or three, I think, of the guys they've gotten the last three or four cycles with the most upside. So can't, yeah. can't, can't coach upside. Yeah, I agree, Steve. Uh, upside is the name of the game with, with Junior Colson. For those who don't know the story, uh, adopted from Haiti when he was 10 years old. And, uh, you know, his parents, uh, his adoptive parents, they they obviously wanted him to get out and have some activity. But it was also a way for him to get better with the language. Uh, and he got into the sport because he was a soccer guy. He got into the sport and. The the tools you just can't teach, but how quickly he picked things up. You know, I think that was one of the surprises, especially for his high school coach. Uh, and he said, look, you know, last year he just he just really exploded. Uh, 130 tackles, 11 and a half sacks, a couple of interceptions, a couple of forced fumbles. He was all over the field. They played, played him at inside linebacker, outside linebacker, 
defensive end. They put his hand in the dirt and brought him off the edge at times, mostly as a blitzer, uh, but at times they brought him off the edge. Uh, and that's the kind of versatility that I think you can anticipate them having with uh, with Junior Colson in Ann Arbor. Uh, you know, not not quite, you know, in Isaiah Simmons in that, you know, I don't know that we'll see him in the secondary, but everything in the front seven, I think we could see him doing. They've talked about him as a viper uh, and and making him maybe the, the, the biggest and the combination of size and athleticism uh, maybe the best combination of that at the Viper position that they've had so far, Bryce. Yeah, he's definitely – I mean, they. he basically said in one of our articles, they want to use me like Jabril Peppers. So he was the Viper um, when they had back in the day when he was there. He's just an athletic guy, heat-seeking missile that can do a lot of things on the field. Don Brown likes to use his linebackers in a lot of different ways, a lot of creativity in the back and the front, all around the defense. He fits that mold. He's got the production. He had 30 tackles for loss, 15 sacks as just a junior. So he can do a lot. He's the highest uh, defensive tackle in our defensive commit in the class. So he's a huge pickup from Michigan. And we'll see what they can do going forward. Yeah, man. It's, you know, Don Brown, you've seen him have the defensive back type. So, so a safety at Viper, you've seen him have. Uh, you know, try to play more linebacker types uh, at Viper. I, I would put Michael Barrett in that in that mold. Uh, for for instance, uh, if you you know if you see him there, uh, some this coming year. But this this combination, uh, you know, a guy with linebacker size uh, and good speed. A couple, I think it was uh, summer between the sophomore and junior seasons or spring. Uh, he ran a four seven seven electric. Uh, his coach, I talked to him about it. He said, "Hey, we we've just timed him here in the last couple of months, and he's running in a four or five hand time." But, but still, a guy with with speed, with range, uh, and as you pointed out, Steve, a guy who is just scratching the surface of what he can be. And you could tell Don Brown talked to that guy. I mean, he was on the phone with him some kind of some kind of way, phone, Zoom, whatever, seemingly every day, and then got a huge assist from the addition. Of, of BJ, of Coach BJ, as they call him, uh, Brian Jean-Marie. He has been uh, an asset on the recruiting trail, which uh, brings us to the question, fellas, of linebacker recruiting uh, from this point forward, because as you as you can note, and we can go over uh, a few linebackers in the class already, not that much more space uh, for linebacker recruiting. So, uh, you know, what do you guys think of of linebacker recruiting moving forward, Steve? I think we all, all three of us agree pretty relatively cut and dry at this point, right? I mean, it feels like Jaden Hood out of St. Thomas Aquinas, the, the four-star in the composite, I think is probably the top guy left with Jamari Budden starting to trend uh, elsewhere within the Big Ten. So, uh, you know, Michigan finally in a position in a few, you know, a few uh, positions especially where they can maybe push a little bit um, the space argument. You know, and that's how we saw that Ohio State was able to do that at running back. You know, we talked last week about Donovan Edwards. Ohio State picked up two running backs in like four or five days. Say, hey, hey, we got one spot left. Somebody's got to take it. Otherwise, we won't be there anymore. Feels like Michigan's starting to look like they're in a similar position at linebacker, maybe wide receiver here at some point, too. So, yeah, I mean, I I, I think we'd all agree, right? I mean, it's got to be Jaden Hood. And, uh, you know, I know you guys have done a lot with Jamari Budden as well, that situation. So. 
feels like it's getting to near the end here uh, as far as how they can maybe finish this out and, and at least maybe put the icing on the cake in this, in this class at Packer. Bryce. Yeah, I think uh, like everyone here agrees, Jaden Hood would be the top pick if they could fill for that last slot um, in linebacker. They really like his athleticism. They like his speed. They've had a lot of success recruiting guys from Florida, which has translated really well to Ann Arbor from the Sunshine State, a la Devin Bush. That turned out really well. So if they can land Jaden Hood, I think, and you have what you have right now in that unit coming in, they'd be ecstatic with what they would have with that. Yeah, I agree, man. You know, Jaden Hood, they they compare him. To, to Devin Bush, now, you know, you, you want to stop short of saying he's going to be the next Devin Bush, right? Uh, Devin Bush wasn't even Devin Bush coming in. Devin Bush was running in like the four sixes, and he left running 4-4. But you can see the similarity in, in frame, uh, in style, uh, in quickness. Uh, and with, with Jaden, he's stepping up uh, in, in level of competition. I think that's one of the reasons why he's flown under the radar coming over from West Palm Beach now over to Aquinas this season so uh, there is room for him to really explode as far as the recruiting profile as well but Michigan has done a lot of due diligence with with him Uh, you know I think that he uh, is another guy who's really connected with Don Brown and very quickly uh, BJ has come in and made an impact with him and Steve you you raised a great point you know now you can start working the space angle uh, and you can you can work it for for you know from the class perspective and then you can also work it from the position perspective so if you're michigan and you're going at Jaden hood you can say hey we only have x number of slots in the class and you can say hey maybe we have one more linebacker slot left i gotta tell you my gut tells me that this at least will speed up his timetable he was already thinking about making a decision before the before the season uh planning to anyway so you look around and all these schools are, are kind of pushing in the same way because every school seems like they're picking up a lot of commitments here uh, in the uh, in the spring and summer. So uh, my gut tells me he's going to speed up his timetable. The question is just how much. Yeah, it would be, again, the icing on the cake, too, at linebacker. I was just looking back at what they've done at backer and, and how many guys, depending on what you consider a linebacker and what you don't at Michigan, I think they've had six or seven guys drafted in the last four NFL drafts since Don Brown was here. I mean, but you go back to 18, McGrone and Barrett, both were top targets. And I, I, we're going to try to speak this truthfully, regardless of how the guy was ranked. Barrett was a top target for Michigan for the entirety. Same with Charles Thomas, who was a three-star. I think he was the first commitment in the 19 class, or he was one of the first commitments in the 19 class. Um, you add, uh, crap, oh, Anthony Solomon. He's the one I'm forgetting about. Sorry. Uh, another guy they, they stayed on after he v- originally verbal to Miami. Uh, we're able to get him after he opened things back up. And then 2020 last year, you know, the four or five-ish guys, depending on where these guys project, the Osmond Savages, mm-hmm. uh, Hill Green, you know, linebacker has become a position now. You, and then you add in, you know, provided they sign this 2021 haul and add another guy to this class at that spot, you're all of a sudden looking at one of the deepest positions in the in the, in the in the program, if not the deepest from top to bottom. When you consider – you know, the, 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 the rank of a lot of these guys and the youth too. I mean, they're going to be loaded uh, for the foreseeable future at linebacker 
uh, provided they finish out this cycle in a strong in a strong way. Right. So you you got in the fold, Junior Colson. Uh, you're trending. You're trending seemingly. I know I have a crystal ball on, on Jaden Hood to Michigan trending uh, with him. And as I said, my gut tells me he's going to speed up his timetable. Uh, that's not the only news, uh, you know, on the recruiting front for for Michigan, Bryce. I mean, some some big news that could affect Michigan's standing with other prospects here uh, down the line. And that, we're talking about the the transfer of J.J. McCarthy from from Nazareth Academy up in Illinois, down to IMG Academy in Florida. Yeah, that came early last week. I want to say Monday, and we caught one of that. And it was a huge move. I mean, the reason behind the move, though, is because he wasn't sure if they're going to have football in Illinois. And so that was a big reason. But the second reason is he wasn't likely going to be able to enroll early Mm -hmm. to Michigan. This now allows him to enroll early in Michigan, gives him an opportunity to come in, learn the playbook, get strength conditioning, work on his strength. That's something that people have criticized him about. He needs to get bigger and stronger. So this would now give him an edge towards that. And honestly, it's also a huge recruiting tool going forward because that's IMG's churns out D1 talent. And so there's already people saying, hey, this is going to be something where Michigan maybe can tap into and try to get more guys from the national powerhouse of IMG Academy. Yeah, you got, you're going to have him down there with, with Greg Crippen. Uh, Miles Rouser, who I know isn't committed to Michigan technically anymore, but uh, they are far and away the huge leader for him. Uh, and then with with JJ, I mean, you, you got the 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 biggest, most t- tenacious recruiter of them all in a hotbed for talent, Steve. Where there are some Michigan targets where you know maybe they're too far, you know, not enough time left to really make up make up ground with but there are going to be enough even especially some of those guys in in the uh in the junior class uh that he is going to get michigan on on really solid footing with moving forward yeah i agree i mean yeah you look at a guy like like you said i think we'd agree michigan probably not going to get him either way but you know why not take a shot with jc latham right still you know he's down there there's no reason if you're michigan they've still been recruiting him you know i think lsu ohio state are the two pretty solidified leaders in that race. But again, you know, McCarthy, a pretty charismatic guy, Latham really familiar with Michigan. I mean, I want to say Michigan probably led. They did. uh, Yeah. Very early on in that recruitment. Right. So, I mean, they've, it's not like he doesn't know what Michigan's all about, what Michigan has to offer. You know, he'll probably be, I would assume left or right tackle at IMG. He'll be a guy protecting McCarthy every day. You know, so I assume McCarthy could be in his ear. And then, yeah, IMG, the other thing too, you got to kind of figure with everything that is going on. Got to think they probably add some other guys to that roster from across the country, depending on a, a state by state situation, let's say. And, and and they always end up getting guys either way, actually. Uh, but that may dr- bring a few more guys that he could go after with, uh, you know, like I said, with everything that's going on. So, no, you can never discount a visible, highly ranked quarterback recruit. You know, I know that the recruits recruiting other guys sometimes can be, I think, a little bit overplayed because I, a lot of times guys end up making their own decision in the end. It could be a small factor, but, you know, I think McCarthy's one of the guys that can be sort of an exception to that rule a little bit uh, because of his passion for Michigan and because he is, you know, good receivers want to play with a great quarterback, good offensive linemen want to block for a good quarterback, you know, so um, definitely not. A, I mean, it's, 
you can't not say it's a positive for Michigan there, you know, because he's still going to be tight with his guys in Illinois. I think that was one question we had on the board was, what about the guys in Illinois that he's tight with, like Caleb Brown, uh, Tyler Morris, his, his high school teammate? Will that actually have a negative impact with him leaving? I, I don't anticipate that it would. You know, and so with that in mind, I think him going to IMG only makes the positive move both for him and for Michigan. Smart move by him, regardless of the, re- the recruiting angle of it. Yeah, and Bryce hit on another another real key point. Uh, you know, kids, especially quarterbacks, guys, especially quarterbacks, you know, you want to graduate early. You want to start that clock early uh, to from a preparation standpoint and then just from your, your eligibility when it comes to your eligibility, you don't know how things are going to play out. So you want as much flexibility on the back end of your college career as you could possibly have. And I don't think that J.J. McCarthy is looking at it from that standpoint, from that vantage point, and say, hey, I want to make sure that I got a couple of years at the end in case I want to leave. Uh, I think he's looking at it more from I can get a jump start on preparation, uh, especially if that job hasn't been been locked down. Uh, depending on what we see performance-wise on the field this year. So this would give him uh, a real leg up to get in there and, and get started early. But, you know, getting getting enrolled, getting on campus, going through a spring ball uh, before your first fall is becoming the way to do it, uh, especially if you're a quarterback. And he was just, you know, there was no sign, you know, sure sign that he was going to be able to do that at, at NAS. And I don't know about you guys. What I've noticed is that that just seems to be a real theme with Catholic schools that they don't they just when, when I hear a story about a school not allowing a kid to, to graduate early, it just seems like more times than not. It's it's the Catholic schools that that kind of take that position. Yeah, I want to say the kids that Michigan recruited. Well, Luigi Villain out of Episcopal, I think same. Same as situation. You know, so it could be just the, I don't know if it's like the religious angled schools or, or what the deal is. I, yeah, I know though that with a lot of these guys, yeah, it's already known, which kind of stinks, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, cause yeah, I mean, would, you know, I know Valari was not able to enroll early. I think it was cause it was such a late addition, but I wouldn't McCarthy have been really the first. It hasn't everybody else enrolled earlier. Did oh McCaffrey was the one that didn't actually right at Valor Christian. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. another really, you know, Catholic religious uh, type, type program so um yeah that's kind of an interesting discussion i guess i didn't really think about it that way but but yeah i mean that is a pretty clear pattern in that regard and and yeah i mean having that extra semester yeah. for the academics and the athletics side right because hey we got to think about it if mccarthy's is advertised there's no way he's you know with an early enrollee situation that he might not be able to come in and compete right away I right mean, that's, that's right. Something, right i mean <laughs> regardless of who they have on the roster right now you know, he'll be their highest ranked guy they've gotten under Harbaugh uh, at the quarterback position. We've seen what he the throws he can make. And and uh, as Bryce mentioned, maybe getting a little more physical development at IMG, you know, which is you know basically training these guys to get ready for college from every angle, you know, put, could put him in a position. Yeah, not only enroll early, but even have a better chance of competing right away for the starting job. Absolutely. That's why I said, you know, it, especially if. You know the the quarterback play this year. If if no one really runs away with it and locks that job down, uh, you know the opportunity for him to come in and seriously compete will be aided considerably by him enrolling early. So great move, recruiting wise for Michigan. Great move, uh, you know, for JJ individually as far as getting ready to compete 
uh, here in Ann Arbor. So with that, let's let's segue, guys, into talking about in-state recruiting. It is a hot topic. Uh, it's a hot topic on our board. Uh, it's a hot topic on Twitter. Uh, you know, I, I think that the the losses are magnified. You know, the wins are 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 muted at times. It seems, and the losses are absolutely magnified. One that you can't characterize as a loss, but a kind of a a parting of the ways is the way to put it with Jamari Budden from Belleville. Uh, and at one time, Michigan was the clear the clear leader for him. They jumped on him last summer at camp. I think it was Michigan, Michigan State, and Penn State all offered him around the same time. A really athletic linebacker that Michigan had as one of its its top defensive targets. Uh, and it looked like for a long time they were going to get him. I even had him crystal ball to Michigan. And then things started to erode late in the winter. Uh, Penn State really seemed to rise. Michigan State did uh, some too. Uh, and the perception is that this this rift that we know about, you know, there it's safe to say that there's a rift between Michigan uh, and Belleville. Uh, there was this impression that that was what was behind the you know the parting of the ways and and I talked to his dad uh, and he was he was really quite adamant that he didn't want his son mentioned in any any sort of uh, he didn't want his son to wanted to be confused that his son was involved in any sort of uh, you know ill will or bad feelings toward Michigan at all. Sam Webb here with the father of one of the top linebackers, not just in the state but in the country, Jamari Button, talking to his dad. Eric, so Eric, first of all, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, so, you know, obviously there was a, you know, quite a bit of reaction to some Instagram live comments from from your son. And it it, it seems to me, uh, you know, after reading reading them and not actually seeing the IG uh, and then hearing you explain what happened, that there's a disconnect between the impression or perception of, of how that came about and what was actually behind it. So can you take us through how that came about and what he said and what he meant? Yeah. So he decided to uh, do an Instagram live. Um, I think it was last week or two weeks ago, just with, um, he was getting a lot of questions from, from fans and, and uh, you know, and, and reporters and things. So he just decided to do an Instagram live just to answer some basic questions in regards to his recruiting and, you know, just whatever else that he may know or whatever people had. And, um, you know, when I guess one of the questions was asked as far as, um, you know, what was going on with him in Michigan. And he, you know, he basically said that they decided to go in a different direction. And, um, you know, it was it, it, it was clear as far as, you know, um, why they were going in a different direction and, and things like that. And so um, there was no, you know, no love lost. Um, he, you know, he, we, we personally had a conversation with, uh, coach Harbaugh before, um, that decision, uh, was made. And I think it just got taken out of context as far as what he said, as far as them, um, maybe not recruiting him, or I guess it maybe was quoted as far as him saying that they don't want him, mm -hmm. um, which, which was incorrect. It, it's, it, that's definitely not the case. It was just, uh, it was, it was, it was a mutual decision. On, on on both parties and um you know we, we we were fine with it we understood 
what the situation was without going into detail. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, so that was that. So, you know, the, the impression, obviously, it's, it's, it's no, there's no secret that there is a, you know, there's a rift between, uh, between Belleville and Michigan to some extent. And, and that uh, the impression is that what happened with, with or Jamari's reaction to to Michigan was somehow tied to that. Can you can you speak to whether there's any truth to that or not? There is absolutely zero truth to that whatsoever. Nothing between Coach Crowell and Coach Harbaugh had anything to do whatsoever with the situation that happened. Um, it wasn't anything on Coach Harbaugh's behalf or anything that Coach Crowell um, had going on between the two of them that had anything to do with the recruitment of, of, of JB. And we're back here on the Michigan recruiting insider. So uh, he said, Michigan came to, to Jamari and said, look, look, it, we just feel like, uh, you know, recruiting there uh, is, is probably not the most, uh, not the most, uh, not the best use of time. Uh, and then with, with you in particular at the linebacker position, um, you know, we are we're filling up. So we would like to see if you're ready to make a decision. And if you're not, then we're going to have to move on and go a different way. Uh, and he chose to keep his recruitment open, guys. So I, I think it's important to maintain that distinction there. Good to know that, too. You know, I mean, because, yeah, the, this this tension has been building. For what we you know, we laughed about Dobbs and Barnett previewing this last week uh you know but it's it's sort of been building up since around that time uh between Michigan and the Belleville program you got Damon Payne this cycle who also will not end up at Michigan he'll end up elsewhere in part probably due to some of right. the tension between the two parties right so yeah that one uh, for sure that one for sure yeah, has something to do with the right tension. so fascinating it's a fascinating dilemma uh for Michigan it, what's interesting like you said though and and cannot harp on that enough is that the losses are always so magnified here while the wins are kind of pushed aside. I mean, I know, so I, one of our members on our board, I can't remember which user had brought up how Penn state is doing in the state of Pennsylvania right now. And, you know, I know uh, national analyst, Steve Wiltfong just put in a crystal ball for Nolan Rucci, a Michigan target as well. And a Pennsylvania native uh, to Wisconsin would mean that Penn state may only end up with one player in the top 10, uh, you know, of Pennsylvania's ranking. So it's, you know, it's one of those things where I think Michigan fans, you know, really only follow Michigan closely, maybe don't follow other programs as, as closely as they do the Wolverines, but yeah. a situation where the Michigan's far from the only program, you know, it's, it's not as simple as just they're within your state borders. So you should be getting every single guy that you want every year. <laughs> I mean, that's never going to happen. So, um, you know, but maybe the, maybe the Belleville situation, maybe a little, unique uh compared to other i don't know if there's any other programs out there that have a rift a, le- a legitimate rift <laughs> with one high school like that but uh but yeah the the wins never the wins always get kind of pushed aside the losses get magnified you know and, and it's it does it's it's always kind of interesting you know steve you you raised like you always do you raised some some more key points i mean penn state lost julian fleming last year and i thought julian fleming was a lock for penn state and that guy leaves the state and goes to uh, and goes to Ohio State. I mean, this is, you know, hop, skip, and a jump from from, from Happy Valley. How does he get out? Uh, what people were saying outside, I imagine they were saying the same thing inside. Now, Nolan Rucci, 
I know he hasn't made a decision yet, but boy, if he were to leave the state, which is possible, you know, his brother goes to Wisconsin, his brother Hayden goes to Wisconsin. Uh, so there's a there's a lure there. You have you have Clemson, who's made a, a real strong push with Nolan as well. And then Michigan still hovering. Michigan's still trying, Josh. You, I mean, uh, Bryce, you know that, that Michigan still is, is recruiting uh, Nolan Rucci and doing so vigorously, and he's still showing them some – he's still reciprocating. So point being, though, that you're right, Steve, that you know we are hyper-focused on what happens here uh, in the state of Michigan. It's important to note. We can give you a historical perspective. I can remember back in the late 90s, early 2000s when – you know, down in Detroit, down in King and the like, you know, there was some there was some, you know, ruffled feathers about Michigan not really pursuing guys like Ron Johnson, who went on to have a big time career uh, at Minnesota. Ron Johnson, Anthony Adams, uh, Kevin Vickerson, uh, who went on to have a, a great career and a, a really good pro career. Uh, and then you fast forward into the, you know, into the 2010s and there was a big rift, uh, a written actual rift with King. Where when Michigan got Dennis Northfleet, uh, Dennis Northfleet was committed to Cincinnati, and Michigan at, at that time, Coach Brady Hoke went around the coaches at at King uh, with help from with help from Curtis Blackwell, uh, and recruited and ultimately flipped Dennis Northfleet. And his coaches at the time didn't think that that was the best move for Dennis. Uh, he had been committed for a while. Didn't like that at all and had some real ill will towards Michigan because of that. Enter Jim Harbaugh and who smooths the who smooths things over with with King Jim Harbaugh. So, you know, my point in bringing all of that up is that you see you kind of see these rifts. Uh, You see teams lose guys from in state. The key for Michigan with with Belleville is as best they can. It needs to just be a Belleville thing. It can't be uh, a Southeast Michigan thing, which is easier said than done because coaches and players talk. Uh, but if they can compartmentalize, look, you know, Michigan is going to do just fine without Belleville. And, and I don't want to make it sound like Belleville needs Michigan either. I mean, you know, Belleville is going to do just fine too. Uh, you know, Michigan, there's enough players in this state and certainly beyond for them to go out and have big time recruiting classes. And Belleville was not was not having any big time prospects before Jermaine Croyle got there. So both of these sides can can do just fine without one another from Michigan's perspective. If they can, as long as it's just a Belleville thing and they're really connected over the rest of the state, Bryce, they'll be fine. And with uh, with with Jermaine Crowell, as long as he's not limiting guys uh, who are interested in Michigan from pursuing it, then he'll be fine, too. Michigan, I think, will definitely be fine in the state. I think people overlook, I mean, some of uh, the accomplishments they've already achieved. I mean, Giovanni Elhadi, they got, I think he was the first command in the class. He's a top 100 guy. He's one of the top guys at his position. He comes at a position of need at offensive tackle, which they're still looking to fill and get more help along. And he's the guy that just people don't talk about it. I think I don't understand why, but they still look at what's still left out there. And we talk about the three of us about if they were to land a Rocco Spindler, Donovan mm-hmm. Edwards, the whole narrative would change. So <laughs> right, right, right. Class and state, they killed it, you know, and <laughs> right. at that point it would be gone. And the thing is with recruiting, I've learned every recruitment is different and every scenario is different 
So you have to handle it differently. I mean, a guy like Garrett Dellinger, he's not even from Michigan. So people say, oh, he's an in-state guy. He's technically not an in-state guy. He's here now, but he was not originally from here. Then you got a guy like Rashawn Benny. They're not even recruiting him for offensive line. It's defensive line. So every you know situation is different, and they're tackling it differently too. With Belleville, obviously that's a more unique case, but they're still working there. They're still having assistant coaches going through the school, and they're still having guys getting offers from Belleville. So it's not a foregone conclusion that any guy that goes to Belleville will never go to Michigan. So I think they're doing a good job with trying to mend fences along the state. Right. And I think it's not as doom and gloom as everyone makes it out to be. Yeah, I think you just hit a hit another nail on the head there, Bryce. Um, you know, we, we don't get so caught up in, in the losses that you think that this is doom and gloom. At the same time, like you said, uh, mending mending fences or nurturing relationships. I, I'll put it that way because I, I, I don't think that the, the fences are – are broken all over the state. They're broken at Belleville, but uh, not all over the state. Does does that mean that relationships elsewhere don't need to be nurtured? I I would stop short of that. I mean, you can you can see that over the course of time that you know there's been so much transition with the coaching staff, Steve. I mean, there, there's a lot of turnover, and so you know the the consistency of relationships we see them erode elsewhere. So you got Campy and and CP and Chris Partridge leave, the connection in Jersey isn't as strong. Well, it's uh, fine. You you just shift, right? You just shift to, to other places. Harder to do that in state when, you know, the, the turnover in in staff members and, and the loss of relationships, you revisit it more often because it's your state. So the, the building and nurturing of relationships, I think, is something that you, you pay mind to, you uh, you devote resources to you got Sharon who's in this state doing a tremendous job uh, as the area recruiter here in the state uh, but now what I've seen gradually happen over the last four or five months is you see other guys making a concerted effort to be more present in the state I've seen that from Josh Gaddis I've seen that from BJ for for instance and so I think that's the kind of thing that can bridge some of these these relationship gaps. Maybe the case that Michigan doesn't think it's a it's a big problem that with time these relationships just occur naturally. But in the meantime, in the interim, I see some guys not leaving it to chance and taking the initiative to try to build those relationships. So you know any issues that might exist at Belleville don't spread and don't linger. Right. You know, the other thing to kind of think about here, as far as Michigan wanting to make it a big priority, or think me thinking personally, you guys, I'm sure you agree that they should, is the state of Michigan on a year to year basis right now seems to be putting out stronger and stronger classes from top to bottom. I want to say there were more guys in the our 2022 top 247 in the state of Michigan than there were in Ohio, you know, which I want to say the last three or four cycles, it, it feels like the gap, at least between those two states, uh, is is kind of narrowing a little bit. You're seeing Michigan, I think they've put out 12 or 13 offers already in state uh, in the 2022 cycle uh, across the state, but a lot of them, again, yeah, in the, in the southeast area of the state where we, like we said, there's, you know, you don't want to let animosities or, or any, you know, rifts kind of spread out of the Belleville program. So, you know, I think that's another thing to kind of keep in mind when you say, yeah, you know, Michigan 
they haven't had that constant presence there that I think they've maybe been used to having, whether under Harbaugh or before. You know, I think I now there's a little bit, but Fred Jackson, I assume, had to have been a pretty big mainstay in the Detroit area when he was on staff. Yeah, correct? Eric Campbell, Eric Campbell, Fred Jackson. You know, that that was one. That's one of the real differences with, uh, you know, with with this staff. They don't have as many guys with the state of Michigan as an area. Now, that should not be confused with as many guys recruiting the state. Uh, because when I say as an area, that, that means your area responsibility, you're, you're recruiting, you're in those schools, you're talking to those coaches on an annual basis, whether you know there are guys that you are recruiting there or recruiting for your position or not. Whereas with, with Michigan, with this staff, at least the in-state focus is, is based more on relationships or, or personality and position. So, you know, if, if Belleville, Damon Payne, we'll just use Damon Payne as, as an example. Uh, Belleville has Damon Payne, then Sean Newell will go into Belleville and recruit, right? But next year, if they don't have a defensive lineman, and I don't think they'll be going in. I don't think they'll be going into Belleville. <laughs> so let's let's be clear. I don't think Michigan will be recruiting Belleville a whole hell of a lot, uh, you know, th- th- at this point because I just don't think they think it's a worthwhile uh, endeavor to to spend their time at a place where uh, clearly they're they're not wanted by the by the staff. And then at the same time, uh, you know, I really don't think that the staff there really wants Michigan there as much. The key for them, as I mentioned earlier, is if there's a kid that expresses interest. Hopefully that door, both sides can agree that that door should be left open uh, and made available. But, Kate, you know, just for the sake of argument, if there's no defensive lineman at Belleville and Michigan was recruiting Belleville uh, next year, then Sean New is not going into that school. And so that's the, you know, that's kind of the, you know, maybe one of the the big differences when I say area versus uh, personality and position. Uh, but, you know, Michigan has had, what, five, six coaches recruiting in the state. You just don't know if those same five, six coaches are going to be back in the state next year because it's not their area. And it's just it's really hard to to nurture relationships that way if you aren't there all the time, which why I think the efforts of guys like BJ and Josh, why I think those efforts will be worthwhile, that they are you know say, look, I'm going to build some some relationships anyway. Uh, whether I'm recruiting these schools or not, and then down the line, uh, when, if we need to pop in on a school and try to get in on a guy, uh, we already have the relationship established. I think that kind of thing is uh, is necessary and can be helpful for Michigan moving forward. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Uh, Steve, you you hit the nail on the head. Let's get into some of these specific guys this year. You're right. You know, it may not be every year that Michigan has a banner crop, but this year, Steve, seems to be one of them. And we've talked a lot about Donovan Edwards already, but how about Rocco Spindler? What do you think, Steve? I know I'm putting you on the spot, man, and I'm sorry, but this is, you know, this is what we do on this podcast. I'm putting you on the spot like we do on the board, right? What do you think of, of Rocco Spindler? Give me the Lorenz take on on that recruitment. 
Michigan or Notre Dame still, right? I mean, that's it feels like it's been that way for a long time. I would say credit to Penn State uh, specifically. I think that they, they've worked pretty hard with Troutwine, their new offensive line coach, really kind of came in with a fresh outlook, fresh, fresh pitch for the Nittany Lions there. You know, they got the King Twins. They might be the favorite for Jamari Budden uh, going forward. They're really making a big effort in the state of Michigan. You know, so I think Penn State has also sort of made it a little interesting. Ohio State, you know, always a factor. And and uh, I'm assuming Kerry Combs is probably kind of taking the reins on that recruitment back in Michigan like he you know, was a thorn for the Wolverine, a thorn in the side of the Wolverines for a while. But still, at the end of the day, this has just felt like Michigan or Notre Dame for a very long time. I know we know uh, some of our colleagues over at uh, Irish 247 feel pretty strongly about their chances with Spindler. You know, I know uh, Alan gave me an interesting point. Uh, I think I had him on the uh, on Zach and I's pod uh, about a month or so ago and brought up this idea that his dad had always thought of Rocco playing offensive line for the University of Michigan one day. And that's kind of been the one thing in the back of my mind after he mentioned that, that made me think, you know, that this still might end up going Michigan's way. It's people, I think, maybe read a little bit too much into the social media aspect where you got people following the likes and stuff <laughs> that these guys are, you know, and people are just making grand assumptions off of that type of stuff, uh, uh, action, that type of deal. But I know actually Bryce would actually add here. And I'm not sure if he still feels this way or not. I know this is something him and I have talked about a little bit, that his recruitment compared potentially compares a little bit to Braden McGregor, right, Bryce? I mean, is that something that you're still oh, thinking a little bit? For sure. We talked about together. I think with Braden, especially social media-wise, it was very pro-Notre Dame. And a lot of people are nervous. A lot of people are hearing Notre Dame chatter on that side. And they are they weren't sure if he was gonna stay home. And at the end, he joked he was silently committed to Michigan for two weeks. I'm not saying that's gonna be the case with Rocco, but I feel I just get that vibe, that feeling with his recruitment. And um I'm not as I put in a very, very, very early crystal ball for Rocco going to Michigan. Me too. And obviously the confidence now we can put a confidence level, I would lower it now. But I think with Michigan, they're doing a good job. I think J.J. McCarthy, his presence, he really raves about the director of recruiting, Matt Dudek, and that friendship and relationship he has with him. He talks to offensive line coach Ed Warner and the staff a lot. I know a lot of people say, well, why aren't they talking to Rocco today? They talk to him all the time. He joked with me. He said, I talked to him nonstop, and he left it at that to me, so – there's no shortage of communication on Michigan's end with Rocco. It's one of those things where it's going to be a fight to the finish. And I think right now Michigan's in a battle, but this is one that could go either way. Yeah, man. I, you know, I sense, and you mentioned Geo. I mean, Geo has gotten close, not just with Rocco, but his, but his family. You, I mean, you, you talk to folks in Michigan circles and they are still, they're still really confident. Yeah, I know what I know what we see from the the guys over at the Notre Dame site, uh, and I think they're they're kind of echoing the sentiment that they're hearing in Notre Dame circles. Both sides continue to say, I want to stress, both sides continue to say or feel like they're in really good shape. So I agree with you, you Bryce. Let's move over to his teammate, uh, who I know you've talked about a lot, talked to a lot, Bryce, and you mentioned him earlier in the in the podcast, but. 
Garrett Dellinger, what do you see? Where do you see things being with Garrett Dellinger at this point? He's the guy that Michigan sits well for, but I won't say they lead right now. I would consider LSU the favorite in the crystal ball. They're definitely the favorite. They have all the predictions favoring them. I want to say it's nine at the moment, but he's the guy Michigan's not giving up on. They're working extremely hard. Offensive line coach Ed Warner just had a family FaceTime with his dad who just came back from, um, I want to say Iraq. So he's back home and he got to talk to the whole family, uh, offensive line coach Ed Warner. And on top of that, Michigan was the first school to offer his younger brother, Cole Dellinger, when they all came up for that in-state uh, recruiting visit. So I think Michigan is, you know, they're doing a good job there. They're still communicating with him daily. He really likes the coaching staff. He likes the history. He likes the academics with Michigan. It's a matter of, I think, if they get him on campus again, he wants to take his official visits. We'll see if that happens, obviously. but. Michigan's still uh, very much in the mix for him as well. Hey, Steve, do you you agree with the LSU angle with uh, with Garrett Dellinger right now? Right now, yeah. I know in talking to our LSU guys, Shea Dixon, they do a really good job up there at uh, Go 24-7. Uh, mentioned that LSU, the, the current vibe is pretty positive with Dellinger. And yeah, like I think the one big thing, and Bryce mentioned it a, a little while back, was that the in-state deal with him isn't really the same as it is with all these other guys because he's not born and raised in Michigan. So it's not a situation where he feels like a quote, like a hometown type pull, right? So it kind of makes a really interesting dynamic for Michigan there where, yeah, I mean, he is playing football in the state. So he, he knows Michigan, he's been there, he's experienced it, but it's not, yeah, it's not a uh, situation where he likely grew up like a lifelong fan, let's say. Right. So puts it in a really interesting spot, but they need it. They need, I, you know, they need at least one more true tackle. And I think that's gotta be sort of the pitch there. They've already got a few interior guys committed. Uh, they're still after we talked about drew Kendall last week, they're still in on him as well, along with Rocco, but at tackle, they still need another guy, uh, a true one. And there's room there. You know, it's not a situation where you look at it as, Hey, you'd be the fourth or fifth verbal, you know, it could be a deal where it's, Hey, you're the only true tackle now I know Gio probably will play tackle but I think he's a I don't know maybe look at him the same way we looked at a Barnhart or a Bredesen or something coming in as a guy that could play a few spots which is part of why he's so valuable to the class but Dellinger we talked about Rucci uh, a couple other guys Tristan Bounds I know you've done some stuff on him Mm -hmm. more that true tackle they they have a pitch and with the broom in this class at us for a spot like that so got to think that's been one of their major pitches and pushes there but yeah, I mean, I have a crystal ball on LSU. I haven't changed. You know, we can do the confidence meter on 24-7 with our crystal ball now. I'd probably put it at like a three or a four. I mean, I don't I don't think he's a lock by any means. I would just, if he was choosing today, uh, I'd probably think LSU is probably going to be the choice. Right, which which brings us to another couple of guys here real quick that we know Michigan has prioritized. Rayshon Benny, a guy who at one point was seen as an offensive line mode, as you pointed out, Bryce, uh, you know, he came back that that winter junior day, and it was around that time where he said, "Look, I'd rather be recruited as a defensive lineman." And Michigan hasn't looked back in his recruitment uh, since. So, you know, talking about looking back from from recruiting him as a defensive lineman, they've been full bore defensive line. That's where we want you, Rayshon Benny. 
Oh, for sure. And when he came up there, they actually talked to him about that possibility. And they said, you know, is that something you would consider? And he said, that's actually something I would prefer. So for them, it was a win-win at the time, too. They're looking really well, offense line recruiting. And that's still the case. And right now, defensive line recruiting, they're still looking to get a couple more guys along that front. So you could check off if they were to get on the in-state box. Comes at a position of need inside of interior of defensive line. And he's at a school that usually churns out a lot of D1 talent at Oak Park as well. So if they could get him, that'd be a huge in-state land. And again, that would change the narrative that people again say is not doing as well with in-state recruiting. So they're looking good for him. It's Iowa, Penn State, Ohio State, I would say, in that mix with him. And he seems pretty open right now. Yeah, I think Michigan I think Michigan is in very good shape with with Rayshon Benny. I think that they have done a a good job of not just connecting with him, identifying uh, po- positionally what his preference was early in the equation. He cited that, but I think they've done a, a terrific job of recruiting his mom. Uh, and this is a kid, and I've I've known his his line coach at Oak Park for 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 twenty years. I've I've I, I, you know they've had guys come through here the last seven or eight years along the line uh, that have been highly recruited. Jeraymond Hall, right? Marquand McCall down at Kentucky. Uh, and now you have Justin Rogers also going to Kentucky. He was a five-star in 24-7 at one point. Uh, and his, his position coach at, at Oak Park, Will McMichael, told me, he said, look, man, this guy, I think he could be the best of the bunch because his focus, his focus is better. You know, the, his, his commitment to, to his craft is just on a different level than all those other guys. And he said, it's because this guy, all he wants to do is take care of his his mom and his little brother. That is his mission in life. And you can see it be applied to everything that he does. And that's what I get from him, Steve, when I talk to him. That's what I, I got from his mom when I talked to her. And she made it a point to say, I'm not going to try to keep him from going far away. But I've also made it made it clear that if he, you know, the closer he goes, the easier it will be, and it just so happens that, you know, Michigan is one of the schools that she really likes. Quietly, maybe one of the two or three most important recruits on their recruiting board, in my opinion, right now. Uh, you, again, you talk about the continued discussion everywhere about Michigan and their defensive tackle recruiting uh, as being an issue. For a guy like Benny in their backyard, a, a, an immense talent, Obviously, I think I don't know if it was one of one of you guys had written that he basically they left it up to him. They asked him where he wanted to play. He said he wanted to play defensive tackle, so that's where they were going to recruit him. I want to say a, a earlier update on him, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, nice feather in the cap there. Probably Michigan, probably you know, breathing a sigh of relief knowing he wants to play defensive tackle with as many offensive linemen as they seem to be in good shape with, but. I think I think I've thought for months that he's one of quietly, you know, even early in his recruitment when he I think he's gotten a couple bumps in his ranking since then. I mean, he's a guy that had 30 plus offers well before this last winter evaluation. I mean, he's been a national recruit pretty much since the beginning, but you don't ever really hear about him as much as you do Edwards and Spindler, uh, maybe even Dellinger, really, uh, as far as a guy that Michigan you know, I'm not a, I'm not big on the uh, must-get type deal, but man, I mean, it really alleviate a lot of issues for Michigan, not just to get a four-star defensive tackle in state, but maybe to get one in Oak Park too, which another program where 
they've kind of had a, a little bit of a struggle at, at points, you know, in reeling in some guys that they like. So, you know, I, I for, as far as the general sense of his recruitment, I mean, he's been a very, very quiet kid throughout. And, and I agree with Bryce. I think you hear a lot about Iowa, Ohio State. I, I don't really even know. And this maybe uh, say, unfortunately, tells you how about how great they're recruiting. I'm not even sure <laughs> right. for Rayshon Benny right now. Right. And he's a top 150 uh, ish type prospect. And uh, with, like I said, with Penn State, Penn State's done a really good job uh, job in in state or in the state of Michigan this cycle, uh, led by Tim Banks. Right. So I always got to consider them a factor. But you know, Michigan, you got to think that they've probably put in the most effort here they almost it's one that they almost think they have to because they do they need a big guy in the middle to kind of complement a lot of these edge type kids that they've been recruiting the last couple cycles you know and not not the not feel like it has to be another I want to say like project at defensive tackle but a guy that you look at and say okay he's he is not going to make an impact right away he's going to need a couple years in the weight room or something we'll shift him inside you know they got Smith and Hinton in 19 but 18 and 20, you look at and you think there's really maybe not a true DT in either one of those classes. I think getting a guy like Benny would be would be huge for Michigan on a, on a lot of different levels. Yeah, another school to really look out for is Kentucky because of how well they recruited Oak Park here oh, yeah. in recent uh, in recent years. He hasn't, you know, when he gets down there, it'll be interesting to see what that means to his recruitment. But like you guys said, I, I really like where Michigan is with Rayshon Benny, which brings us to the, the last guy we really have time to to focus on uh, right now uh, and probably the, the only other guy here in state off the top of my head who they are really – who they've really prioritized, and that's Andrell Anthony. So, so Bryce, what do you think about uh, Andrell and, and where where he is with Michigan, where Michigan is with him? Well, Michigan definitely likes him. Uh, the contact has not faded at all since they early offered him. I want to say in his sophomore year, it was super early in the process for him. He got offered by Michigan. They identified him. They tarred him early, and they still been on him. And that's been led by Sharon Moore. He's done a really good job, like you've stated, in state. And this is one of the guys in particular he's really done a great job with. He's formed a good bond with Anthony. He really likes what he sees on the field with him. And on top of that, you now have Josh Gaddis in the mix helping and saying he's presence alone has made a big difference in this recruitment. So Michigan hasn't faded at all, and they've done a really good job with him. The problem is it seems like a lot of schools have now just all of a sudden seen his talent, and they're like, you know what, this is a guy we really like as well. So they're pushing just as hard. You're seeing schools like Minnesota. Michigan State, who got one of his high school teammates. So you're seeing other schools make even stronger pushes. But Michigan's not backing down. They look really good for him. They're doing really good at wide receiver recruiting. So it's going to be interesting to see where this one goes. Steve, I want to, I want to touch back on a point that you made earlier in the podcast where you were like, hey, you know, Michigan can start working the, the space angle with guys. Now, I know we're, we aren't looking at Michigan having its full allotment of receivers at all. Uh, you know, you, you picked up Marcus Allen. You could, I think what they have, what, seven receivers on on scholarship they'll they'll have uh, moving forward. So they, there's room to really load up at receiver, and I could see Michigan taking as many as four receivers in this particular cycle. But look at the guys that they're looking good with, Steve. I mean, you know, we, we put in crystal balls for Christian Dixon out of modern day. 
out there in California. Xavier Worthy, Michigan is in good shape with. Uh, you've talked to, I mean, we, we've talked to a, a few different receivers all, or, across the country. Um, you know, Jaden Thomas, Jaden Alexis. I mean, they're, they're guys all over that Michigan is, is sitting in good shape with. Uh, and if you're a guy on the in-state front like Andre Anthony and you have a real interest in Michigan, I, you know, I just don't know that there's going to be space all the way until the end of the cycle, Steve. Right. I mean, yeah, because they're looking really good for Dixon right now. I know we've had a few stories up in the last week about where things kind of stand there. Michigan looks to be trending pretty heavily. Xavier Worthy's going to have a spot <laughs> right. no matter what, ha- no matter right, what happens. Right. I mean, I don't – I don't think he's done rising uh, up the rankings. And in, in my opinion, I mean, he took a big bump from us uh, last re-rank. I don't think he's done. I mean, I think he's a top 100 guy easily. Caden um, Thomas. Yeah. I know Bryce, you wrote the great story about Michigan baseball, giving him a look as well. That's always a nice ace up the sleeve to have, you know, a potential dual sport type situation. And then I think they're still trying to work Lorenzo styles. Lorenzo styles. Yep. That's another, yeah. One. The North, the Notre Dame receiver, uh, or they're committed to Notre Dame right now. I think that's one they're still trying to work. So yeah, I mean it is. I think I think it does raise a potential situation where you know it may be a uh, hey, you know, you in or you're not in because because you know yeah, Michigan State's done a really good job under Mel Tucker. You got to remember he's an East Lansing native, right? So the right. start, so a, a fresh coach, uh, that new coach smell. That's why I always say it. Uh, come in, you know, for the Spartans, and they've really made him a huge priority as they should off the get-go you know minnesota's done well at receiver uh you know producing some receivers and and some of the receivers will put up big numbers i can see why they're attractive there he's probably seen kj hamler what he did at penn state and sees the situation there so you know and he doesn't seem to be in any hurry so yeah it, it could be a situation where you add another guy a dixon let's say where yeah all of a sudden it's like hey well worthy's got a spot no matter what so you could almost argue there's maybe one slot left for one of these other guys to jump in. So I think, you know, Wood puts a little bit of pressure on Anthony and maybe a couple of these other guys to see where things stand. My sense, I mean, more of a a thousand foot view here, just watching his recruitment is I just kind of feel like he's going to end up somewhere else. I I don't, I wouldn't have enough to put a crystal ball elsewhere. It just, the sense, you know, it was one of those almost like Budden a little bit where early on, it really felt like Michigan was probably going to be the destination. I know during one of the evaluation periods, I think Harbob, Moore, and Gaddis all went and watched him play basketball. He's a really good basketball player at East Lansing High School. But it's just, you know, sometimes you do just kind of get a sense from following things and, and seeing how they interact with some of these other recruits and stuff online where it's like, you know, it just feels like his interest might be leaning a little bit elsewhere. Uh, not saying that Michigan might not be the choice at the end of the day. It couldn't be the choice. It just seems like, this might be one where we end up seeing them elsewhere. But again, yeah, Michigan, you know, would be not they'd be okay with it, but they do. They're in a decent spot with a few other guys. You know, I think that they're going to end up with a class that I think fans will be satisfied with. Yes, yeah, Steve. You know, I feel like you, man. I, you know, it's not to say that Michigan can't get them or won't get them, uh, but the momentum in in that particular recruitment seems to have been going the other way and through you know not through to, to any fault of of how hard they're recruiting him i mean they've they've been persistent uh you know they have made it clear how much of a priority he is not just to him but to other guys uh, in the class and other guys that they're courting 
Uh, you know, it's one of the things in talking to uh, in, in talking to uh, Donovan Edwards. You know, his name was was mentioned as a Andre Anthony's name was mentioned as a guy that Michigan really really wanted. So it's not for lack of interest or intensity of of pursuit. Uh, but the longer he goes, the more they trend up with other receivers. And as you pointed out, Steve Apley, uh, you know, Michigan State, this is, you know, for, for them, I, I don't follow their recruiting enough to know who in in on their retire, in, entire recruiting board they're recruiting the hardest. Uh, but I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a guy that they're recruiting harder than Andrew Anthony for, uh, for a number of reasons. He's – uh, an in-state guy. He's a East Lansing guy. He's a guy that Michigan is pursuing. I mean, all of these themes that are evident in that recruitment that makes him so huge. I mean, he, he for them, in my opinion, is like Donovan, Donovan Edwards for Michigan in level of importance. Yep. Totally agree. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that one goes. But, but guys, uh, again, we got to switch gears. We're going to keep with this in-state theme on the basketball side of things. Uh, and pick that up with Josh Hinchke now, talking about in-state targets in the 2021 class. Uh, until next week, guys, been great talking some football recruiting. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. With my guys, my boys here on the TMI staff, Steve Lorenz and my man Bryce Merritt. So thanks a lot, fellas. Have a good holiday. Thanks, Sam. Appreciate it. You too. Now Josh Hinchke joins the fold and we shift gears talking about basketball recruiting and Josh last week we were heavy in the conversation about transfers uh, that was on the heels of the no gel eastern news and we previewed Shondi Brown who went on to uh, make it formal and commit to the University of Michigan a transfer from Wake Forest so a big land uh, with his his slashing ability, his ability to get to the rim, much more of an established offensive threat than than Nogel Eastern, which brings about the question about immediate eligibility uh, in both of those guys because it, it sounds like it's something that they're both going to pursue. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I talked to Shondi this week, and you know, he feels really strongly about you know being eligible. No, he doesn't. He hasn't really gone through the process yet of of testing the waters, testing his options in terms of how to go ahead and file a waiver. But um, he feels strongly that he will be able to be eligible next season. I don't know what angle he'll use. I mean, he could technically still use the Danny Manning firing as as a uh, as an angle because I mean he did it what ten days before. It happens. So, I mean, I guess he could pretend that he caught wind of, of something happening. But, um, yeah, out of the two, uh, between Nogel Easter and Shondi Brown, you know, I, th- I think more I've, more confidence for me is, is, is Shondi for sure. Nogel Eastern is, is kind of a, uh, a different situation. It would be, nice be nice to talk to him, but him and his camp have been 
radio silence since his commitment. So it's been kind of kind of strange all around. Yeah, so I, I agree with you in that, that Shondi Brown, uh, and I'm hearing, I'm sensing a lot of optimism emanating uh, from Michigan circles about, uh, you know, the likelihood of him uh, being granted a waiver that he can, he can legitimately say that my coach was, was fired. I mean, I look, you don't just fire Danny Manning abruptly. You know, there has to be some buildup to that. You know, it's all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, and, and granted they weren't winning, but I'm talking about, think about the times we're living in mm-hmm. the, a global pandemic. Everything is shut down. Hiring freezes across the country. Who wants to do a coaching search right now? So what that should tell you is that there were there were rumblings. There were things going on at Wake leading up to Danny Manning's firing that really uh, it's conceivable that he could have been hearing those. Now, how much did that really weigh into his decision to to test the draft waters or enter the portal? Who knows? You just, it just needs to be plausible. I mean, think about think about Tate Martell and Tate Martell last year and Justin Fields. Now, mm-hmm. Justin Fields, you could say uh, he there was a racial incident down at the University of Georgia uh, for which another student was reprimanded, uh, but he said that it was something that, uh, you know, led to undue emotional strife, right? Mm-hmm. And could well be. But his sister goes and enrolls there after the fact. Now, look, not everyone reacts to to – things the same way so it's not that's not to say that just because Justin Fields felt a certain way about what happened to him you know someone uh you know using a racial slur or re, re, you know regarding him in a in a in an adverse racial sense uh his sister might react to that totally different so you know what works for one may not work for the other however however it does call into question you know just how how serious that is when he says that, you know, I had to, I had to go someplace out. I mean, he, he sort of made it pretty plain. He had to go someplace where he was going to play. Uh, and then Tate Martell, I mean, as far as I could tell, Josh, the only thing that he showed was that there was a coaching change. So, yeah. you know, if that, if that's a prerequisite for a, for a waiver, then Shondi Brown certainly has a plausible case. And all you need is, is, is plausible plausibility, if you will. And I think he has, uh, he has a legitimate claim to lay, uh, and uh, like I said, the the folks I talk to around these parts are expressing a great deal of optimism about him achieving that that waiver. I don't know, like you, I don't know what No Joe Eastern's claim claim would be. I don't know what he would use to 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 go for immediate eligibility. I haven't heard anything along those lines. The question then becomes. What happens if if they aren't granted the waiver? So you you address that with with Sean D, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, basically, he said, you know, if 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 that happens, if that you know, if that's the unfortunate outcome, you know, he's going to have to deal with it. I mean, that's just something that you know he said that you know it's, it is what it is at that point. Um, you know, he uh, he said that you know he would. I mean, he would love to stay in Ann Arbor for two years, but ideally, he'd like to be you know, eligible right away. But, you know, he did mention to me that the fact that, you know, he, he would, he would enjoy an extra year of just kind of sitting back and, and, you know, watching the game, learning from under, you know, Juwan and and the coaching staff and things like that. Um, But yeah, but his, his eyes are are 100% set on, on playing. However, 
if that situation does come up where he cannot play, um, he'll, it's not, it's not going to be a deal breaker for him or anything like that. He'll definitely be happy to learn and, and kind of hone, hone his leadership skills as he prepares for his final season. And with no Joe Eastern folks, I took talk to say the jury is out. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, see, I mean, that that's, I've asked around mm-hmm. and like, who knows? I mean, if he yeah. might, he stay in the draft very well could be the case. Uh, so, uh, you know, no, no assurance is given uh, that he is definitely going to be, uh, you know, coming to Ann Arbor if he is not granted the waiver. It remains to be seen if that's the case. If you're in Michigan, the one that you would rather have this year, there's no question is Shondi Brown. Shondi Brown helps you more in the here and now uh, because he is a more established offensive player. You heard on the Michigan Basketball Insider when we talked to Randolph Childress, he said he's also, he regards him as a plus defender. You need a guy that can get some buckets in the backcourt uh, mm-hmm. and and can get buckets going to the rim. Uh, and that's that's one of the pieces right now, if you look at this this offensive uh, compilation of players, that's what they're missing with, with X gone. Who gets to the rim? Uh, you yeah. know, you could say that it's going to be Franz, and I think Franz's ability off the bounce is going to be better, but it's not established yet, Josh. He hasn't shown that he can do that consistently on the college level. Shondi Brown has, so he gives you that right now. No Joe Eastern? There's some work to do there. Now, is he a better defender? He's one of the best defenders in the country, but you aren't getting a defensive slug in Shondi Brown and he's going to give you some established offensive presence. So, if you like I said, if you got to choose one, that's the one that you would choose. And here's the other part, Josh. I mean, a year on the bench, if you're – I mean, I could see how it could benefit them both, but I think it would benefit Nojo Eastern more because clearly, there, you know, the hole in his game is bigger than the hole in Shondi Brown's game. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think Tim McCormick absolutely nailed it when he said that, you know, I think it'd be good for Nojel to sit out a year, get, you know, thousands of shots up a day to kind of hone in his shooting abilities. Um, you know, we don't have to worry. We don't have to worry about his defense abilities. He's very capable of being a, a very good defender. And that's great because most of the time that's kind of what hinders younger players from seeing more minutes. If you're a defensive liability, you're not going to see the floor. So at the end of the day, I mean, you'd rather have someone be more of a defensive guy and then you can kind of work on the shot a little more. And, you know, that one that comes a little easier than learning defensive concepts and things like that. But, um, yeah, I think absolutely, you know, Nogel having a year for him to kind of just, you know, not necessarily chill out, but kind of take a step back, um, you know, figure out figure out his shot and, and work on his game, I think that'll do wonders for him, uh, you know, for a final year of eligibility. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. But like I said, the jury still out on whether he will come if he doesn't receive the waiver. So we'll, we'll see, which that also goes to another question. Is Michigan done in 2020? And I think that they're leaving the possibility open to add to the, to add to the puzzle in 2020 in the event that a spot opens up. Because here's another thing. I mean, it's not just no Joe Eastern who could decide to stay in the draft. Isaiah Livers mm-hmm. could decide to stay in the draft. So you could have another spot to play with. And a guy that, that they have been on, they've been recruiting. They had a great virtual visit with last month a five-star center 
out of Richmond, Virginia, named Efton Reed. And Efton Reed, uh, in talking to him, Josh, I mean, he is his interest in Michigan is serious. Now he could be he's a 2021 prospect, but he's considering reclassifying the 2020. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's smart from Michigan's perspective to kind of have um, not necessarily backup plans, but you know, just the just in case plans because you can take advantage of of uh, Efton Reed in the 2021 class, but he's also helpful in the 2020 class too. So I mean, either way, he's going to benefit you, um, and he's going to benefit your program. You know, no matter what year you get it. So I think it's smart to have those backup, those contingency plans just in case the unforeseen happens. And obviously having a five-star guy in your back pocket like that as a, as a possibility is always a, is always a plus, no matter how you spend it. Yeah, we talked about Phil Martelli last week. Phil Martelli, again, that's, this is this is his, his lead. Uh, he has Michigan uh, in a very good place with Efton Reed, uh, really connected with the kid, and his mom is, is leading the way, and, and connecting him with Jawan Howard, a big man who – Efton said, walk the path that I want to walk. Uh, he said, look, I am se- I have serious interest in Michigan. What I don't have a bead on with him is I don't know which way for sure he's leaning as far as 2020 versus 2021, but the lack of urgency about making a decision along those lines sort of makes me think that he, that he might be leaning towards staying in 2021. I don't know that for sure. Again, that's just what I gather from he just didn't seem real pressed to you know, to decide. I said, you know, when do you think you're going to come up with a decision, not on the school, but on 2020 versus 2021? He's like, I don't know. I'm waiting to see what happens. You know, I thought maybe we we're going to have an AAU season. Maybe I could get out on some visits. So, again, that that to me skews toward 2021. You got uh, in the mix UVA, uh, Georgetown, Maryland is very thick in that mix. Louisville's pursuing them pretty hard. Ohio State thinks they're in a good position for him as well. He's a heavily recruited guy as a five-star guy, but – Again, let me stress, he was adamant that he is serious about Michigan, loves Phil Martelli, really likes how he's connected with Jawan Howard, uh, and likes the idea of being molded by another big man. So we'll see how it, how it works. But the first question is, you know, will Michigan have a spot in 2020? He said Michigan has talked to him about both classes, 2020 and 2021. Uh, so we'll have to wait to see how that goes as far as is there space and what year he decides to go in. But let's come back to uh, 20 or go back to 2021, uh, a, a class where we know their space. You know, we kind of looked ahead and 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 projected the, the number of spots that, uh, you know, they may have at their disposal. I think we settled on like six. Uh, and and so what does that look like from the in-state sense? And there are a couple of guys. There are really only two guys left, Josh, that they're pursuing on the in-state scene out of Pierre Brooks is, is committed to Michigan state. Uh, and that's, uh, Jaden Akins, uh, you know, from, from, from over there in Farmington and, and then Kobe Bufkin from over there in Grand Rapids. So let's start off talking about Jaden Akins, a six, three. I want to give him, I'm gonna be generous and give him about 170 pounds, you know, point guard, combo guard, uh, a guy that can get buckets rated, uh, the number 89 prospect in the country, according to our guys at 24-7, the number 12 point guard in the country. Yeah, uh, you know, recently took a virtual visit with Michigan earlier in the month. Uh, spoke to our Bryce Marich um, about that visit. Uh, also, I've, I've spoken to him, too, a little bit. 
Um, you know, Michigan's pushing really hard for him, as is Michigan State. And, you know, you can see the, the general theme for both of these guys is that, you know, this is this is more than likely going to be a Michigan-Michigan State battle. However, both aren't really in a rush to really, you know, whittle things down in terms of lists or, or you know, ending recruitments anytime soon. So that's kind of the main thing with Jaden, too, is that, you know, he, he appreciates – you know, the love from, from Michigan and, you know, how they're pushing for, you know, the, the family atmosphere and how they'll be used and as is Michigan state. And then they've got the Pierre Brooks factor as well. Um, they used to be teammates together on the family AAU team. So, you know, they've got that, that connection there too. So um, I think the major takeaway from Jay Nakins is that, you know, from, from my perspective, and it's just my opinion that it's going to be a Michigan, Michigan state battle. However, he is not in a rush to kind of make a decision between the two programs or, or any program for, for that matter. Because you got Louisville, who's, who's coming in strong too. DePaul's also coming in strong. So there's a lot of, uh, he's got a lot of suitors and a lot to kind of pick and choose from, um, you know, and, and he's got plenty of time with, without these uh, on-campus visits. So it's a, it's a wait and see game, but, you know, there's no doubt that Michigan is, is absolutely prioritizing. Yeah, you he got the offer before before Kobe Bufkin got it, but I, I think I don't think people should read into that that oh they just like they just like Jaden more. I think they like them both equally. I think it was a matter of Jawan saw Jaden before he saw Kobe Bufkin. Now you know you got Sadi on both on both guys, Sadi yep. Washington on both guys, uh, but you know I remember sending Bryce out to the game out to Kobe Bufkin's game after I had heard Sadi had been out there. And so it was clear that he was a guy that was on the radar even at that point, even when he didn't have an offer. But as soon as Juwan got out to see him, boom, uh, that offer went out to Kobe Bufkin. And you're talking about uh, a, a, a wiry, just like, just like Jaden, a wiry kid. You know, he might be, uh, maybe he's 170 pounds. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I wish I burned calories like these dudes, Josh. Yeah, right. I, I, I mean, clearly, clearly the metabolism is working overtime for these uh, for these young fellas. Uh, but Kobe Bufkin is a kid that stands, I'll give him maybe about 6'4", about 175 pounds, more of a combo than, than a point, uh, a guy who can get to the rim, streaky jump shooter, uh, but a, a, a wiry, crafty guy that, that the Wolverines uh, value because of his ability uh, to play on or off the ball. Now, in talking to him, he, like Jay Nakins, is in, is in no rush. Uh, and, I, you know, part of me, part of me wonders uh, if, if that's if, – if with the number of spots that Michigan has in this class, if, if that's not – that's not going to be an issue. I don't think that's going to be an issue with their – with their Michigan recruitment is more of an issue between the two. Like, I don't necessarily think Michigan takes both of them. So I think they're kind of competing with one another for that spot. So what does the timeline look like relative to the other guy? I think is a real key question on Kobe side of things. Grandma is a huge Michigan fan, huge Michigan. Fan. He's like, my granny loves Michigan. I mean, my granny loved the fab five. He told me, so it's like, Oh, well, your granny loves, loves the fab five and Jawah Howard's the coach. Seems like, seems like this is, this is going to happen. Right. But he's no, you know, he is very intent on, uh, you know, trying to get to more campuses, trying to see this recruitment out. 
a little while longer, taking a more patient approach. He's another guy who Michigan State is very much in the mix for. You know, they are pursuing him heavily too. So uh, really likes Michigan State, has been there a number of times. Uh, you got other schools in, in that mix. Missouri, DePaul recruits the area real well uh, also. So he is a guy, another guy with a very decorated offer list, but not a guy who seems to be in any rush. So I think I think with with these two players, we're talking about getting around the start of or into the high school basketball season uh, before they make their decisions. Yeah, it's kind of a, it, you kind of make, it makes you wonder, you know, the current situations going on in the world, you know, whether timelines would be different if they're allowed to, you know, explore the, the, the country, you know, in terms of visiting campuses and things like that. But, you know, you, you know, all those are coulda, woulda, shouldas and all that stuff. So you can't really, you know, think about it too much, but, um, yeah, I mean, both of those guys are, are really interesting. I mean, I think both of those are going to be very fierce battles between Michigan and Michigan State. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not ready to, to make any bold predictions as to who goes where, but, you know, there's no doubt that, you know, those two programs are going to be in it to the very, very end. Yeah, I agree with you. And there's also a little doubt that the 2022 class is going to be – uh, the the recruiting in that class is going to be much more crowded, uh, much more intense. Uh, many, many more schools going after a guy like Amani Bates, in addition to the, you know, the NBA going to be going after him as well. Uh, but at the same time, you got a you got another kid up there in Grand Blank kid by the name of of Ty Rogers uh for instance who uh you know who is getting a lot of attention a lot of recruiting attention including from the University of Michigan it's just you know this is not the the you know the the most talent laden year we've seen uh in Michigan basketball high school basketball recruiting yeah, no, I mean, I, I remember I saw Ty Rogers um, at Michigan's camp with John Beeline. I think last the the previous two years that he was he was running him, and you know he's a nice player. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of good talent, you know, constantly good talent that comes out of the state of Michigan. Um, you know, not necessarily goes to the state of Michigan programs, um, but you know, there's there's a lot of a lot of good talent coming up through the ranks and. Obviously, Amoni Bates is, is the is the is the highlight. But personally, like I don't even I don't even refer to him as a as a <laughs> collegiate back. <laughs> I mean, he's I mean the second they the second the G League decides they want to drop a bag on him, they'll they'll uh, he'll probably bolt. But I mean, there's no doubt that he's talented. Yeah, you know, it, I think it remains to be seen. You're right. The G League option. Uh, I mean, it, and that's if. That's if that kid had to go that route. I mean, this this yeah, this is a guy, talent wise, he was the best freshman I've ever seen. Uh, so, uh, who knows what what the encore would have been like here uh, in the sophomore season if had he been able to complete it. So, uh, you know, he by the time he's a senior, could very well be physically ready to compete in the rigors of, of the NBA. But you know, his circle they've always said that college is a real option and they are they are keeping the lines of communication open uh to to keep that 
that possibility available. So if you're Michigan, you got to recruit him. Got to recruit him. You know, especially especially with Michigan State up the road pulling out all the stops. So, uh, you know, Michigan will continue to do that. And we'll have to just wait to see if the guy chooses to go the college route. But a lot of conversation today on in-state recruiting. Uh, we will branch out and talk about more 2021s next week as we get into our view of the prospects of the targets that Michigan is in the best position with. So be sure to check that out on next week's Michigan Recruiting Insider. Till then, Josh, have a good holiday weekend. Thanks, Sam. You too. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo. Thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.